This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Streetwise Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Loba. I'm also the editor-in-chief of the pitch here in Kansas City, of which this podcast is an extension. Welcome to the Streetwise Podcast. How are all of you? We had a birthday barbecue last weekend. Uh, it is my wife's birthday. If you happen to see Viv Kane around town, wish her a happy birthday. You definitely won't see her around town. She's not going to be anywhere. She's on social media. You can possibly pass one that way. Uh, it was a chance to return to one of several social situations that I have not been in for a number of months, uh, where I've realized that um, on top of the normal, come back to the normal world things, um, I just don't know how to hold myself anymore. Uh, standing at a barbecue, just trying to figure out how I, I used to stand, how I used to do things. Went to a concert earlier in the week. Um, where I started just like snapping my fingers. I was just like, yeah, all right. That's that's the thing. And I looked down and I was like, I don't snap my fingers at concerts. Where did this come from? Why why am I doing this? I, I've become more uncomfortable in the time off and I'm trying to unlearn it or, or in some way relearn what I used to be. Because for example, at the barbecue, somebody said, Hey, your smile is different than it used to be. And I was like, my smile is different? Like, I don't know. I used to smile differently. So in the couple of days since then, every time I'm getting into the car and looking in the rearview mirror, sometimes in the bathroom at home, I've started practicing smiling. Yes, I, I know how weird that sounds. That is where we are, just practicing smiling. Where I'm looking at it, I'm like, yes, something about this does look weird. Did my face just change, or have I forgotten which muscles to use? Is it too big, too small? Is it too many teeth? I don't know. So yeah, that's where I am. Practicing smiling. Not the best place to be in. Anyway, wonderful episode this week. Uh, we have an interview coming up with Kaylee McLaughlin of The Olathe Reporter. We have Nick's Music Corner, of course, as always. But uh, first of all, uh, we have a reading of... Da Bomb Hot Sauce and our deep dive into that uh, via our friend Jason at Stolen Dress Entertainment. Uh, the piece is by Liz Cook, and that piece will be read to you now. How Kansas City Learned to Stop Worrying and Loved a Bomb. Spice and Foods Deliberately Punishing Hot Sauce Sells One Millionth Bottle by Liz Cook. If you've never seen Hot Ones, the hit YouTube series from First We Feast, in which celebrities are interviewed eating hot wings, allow me to suggest an entry point, Paul Rudd. In the viral 2019 episode, Kansas City's prodigal son suffers through a series of increasingly hot sauces with Midwest stoicism. The producers have placed a pint of milk at his side. He doesn't touch it. He jokes with the host and plays around with his phone camera, never losing his golden retriever grin. Until that is... He gets to de bomb beyond insanity, an intentionally punishing hot sauce manufactured in Kansas City, Kansas. Rudd and host Sean Evans each pop a sauce-coated cauliflower wing into their mouth. They stop smiling. They start choking. Shout out Kansas City, says Evans. We also have Patrick Mahomes, Rudd whispers through a mask of pain. Don't judge us on that. Welcome to KC, 
your one-stop destination for smoked meats, star quarterbacks, and pointless suffering. Dabam is the deviant brainchild of Spice and Foods, nay original Juan Specialty Foods, a small batch condiment manufacturer that's operated out of a 60,000-square-foot warehouse off Southwest Boulevard for almost 20 years. In 2018, the company was sold to Florida entrepreneur Scott Morse. An ongoing legal dispute with the former owners suggests the building needed some work. Spicing kept going. They bottled sauces for well-known local and national businesses, from Joe's Kansas City to Jones' Barbecue to Williams' Sonoma, but they also poured more resources into growing their own brands, Pain is Good, American Stockyard, and Da Bomb. This May, Spicing filled their millionth bottle of Da Bomb, thanks in large part to the Hot Ones Bump. Da Bomb has been a part of the show's lineup for 13 seasons, the only sauce with that distinction. For Chris Schoenberger, creator of Hot Ones and general manager of First We Feast, that inclusion was a no-brainer. He says the show's primary focus is the interviews, a goal that transcends the gimmick. But there's still a certain bloodlust among the fans. They want to see a real reaction, and Da Bomb almost always delivers. There's a reason it gets that reaction. The sauce clocks in at 135,600 Scoville heat units. For reference, a jalapeno ranges between 2,500 and 8,000. Da Bomb is a sauce that earns its roguish mocking apostrophe. It smells like a habanero massacre and tastes like a goblin's ashtray. I sampled it on my way to Spice and Foods for a tour. A drop the size of a pencil eraser was enough to inflame every mucous membrane in my body. After three drops, my skin bristled like an angry hedgehog. The experience was anatomically fascinating. I hope to never repeat it. Spicen's chief operating officer, Jeff Hines, is a businessman, so I expect him to lie to me, to tell me De Bomb gets a bad rap, that it's a versatile sauce with redeemable qualities. Instead, he gives me a medical history. It's just an overbearing heat, he says. Bloodshot eyes are normal, watering eyes are normal, ringing ears are normal, your neck and chest and head start turning red, sweating, hiccups, and then pray you don't burp because it comes back up for a second shot. Schoenberger describes the sauce in similar terms. He tastes Da Bomb before every season of Hot Ones, but hasn't unlocked any new tasting notes. Da Bomb isn't about nuance, and that's kind of why it works. It's just a stick-your-tongue-in-an-electrical-socket type of experience. In the novelty hot sauce category, it is king. Where Heinz and Schoenberger disagree is the sauce's culinary utility. Heinz, the whole intent of that was to heat up like a pot of chili or something. It never was designed or intended to go on a wing. Schoenberger. Cooking with the bomb isn't something I'd necessarily recommend, unless you're serving a revenge dish to someone who has wronged you. How do you make a sauce this flatly painful? De bomb has a habanero and chipotle pepper base, but the heat gets a boost from hot pepper extract, pure, uncut capsaicin, without any pesky flavors to get in the way. That's partly why de bomb tastes much hotter than other sauces with a similar rank on the Scoville scale. The oily extract coats your tongue and sticks around. With de bomb, it's not the initial blast that kills you. It's the aftershock. Hot sauce fanatics tend to look down on extract sauces. The conventional view is that they're prank sauces, taking shortcuts that shortchange flavor. But that doesn't seem to have put a dent in DeBomb's sales. It's our number one seller, says Mark Romero, business development executive for Spice and Foods. Hands down. Depending on who's on Hot Ones week after week, that'll drive how many sales we have. If DeBomb is a prank sauce, that prank helped get a business through the pandemic. Like most manufacturers, Spice and Foods faced supply chain disruptions in 2020. Plastic resin costs increased. Glass bottle costs increased. Aluminum costs increased. Demand for some of their products tanked at the same time. 
Heinz and Romero estimate that before the pandemic, about half of their business was in gallon jug sales to restaurants. When restaurants shut down, that business evaporated. The company refocused on online and retail sales and looked for other ways to collaborate with restaurants. When Gojo's Japanese steakhouse closed, Spicen worked to bottle and sell the restaurant's beloved yellow sauce directly to consumers. Hot Ones has been a lifeline. Romero says they owe the show a debt of gratitude for all the free publicity they've received over the years. Spice and Foods has never paid to be featured on the show. And things are a little more stable now. The day I visited the factory, three restaurateurs from out of state were in Spicen's test kitchen, tasting commercially scaled versions of their restaurant sauces and giving the chefs notes. The chefs on Spicen's R&D team, A.J. Smith, Tommy Carter, and Edwin Fluvog, churn out hundreds of test batches a year in the quest for the next big sauce. Heinz calls them the three-headed dragon. If you've ever wandered the Spice and Foods gift shop and picked up a 99-cent test kitchen sauce, these are the guys who make it. When I ask to see the ingredients they have to work with, Smith immediately sets about opening cabinets and pulling out drawers. The team has just about any spice or acid or powder they might need, and a few they probably won't. In one drawer, there's a small cylindrical tin that looks like it should contain breath mints, but that actually contains dead scorpions. If hot sauce inventor sounds like a dream job, consider that these guys also have to taste each batch of hot sauce against an archived sample for quality control, including Da Bomb. The three rotate the duty, but Smith estimates they all have to taste Da Bomb at least once a month. When I ask him what flavors he's tasting for, he seems surprised by the question. Pain? Whatever pain tastes like? The resistance never really builds up. Smith says his palate is always wrecked for at least 15 minutes after a taste. When people eat really hot stuff, they'll usually have one thing that goes. For me, I start to sweat under my eyes. My back cramps up on both sides of my spine, Carter chimes in. This isn't pain theater. Nearly every Spice and employee I talk to mentions the same thing about DeBomb bottling days at the factory. Chiefly, that you always know when it's DeBomb day. The habanero mash is ambient. Think mace as a dorm room incense. The whole place smells like fire, says Carter. It's a more cautious day. Spice and Foods is a small batch manufacturer, but the batches are still prepared in enormous industrial kettles. Kettles mean heat. Heat means steam. Steam means aerosolized capsaicin, literally pepper spray. The hot sauce business comes with a host of unique occupational hazards. When Spice and Foods bought the plant from the original Wands, they had to repair the flooring. The acids from the sauces had eaten through the epoxy. Some ingredients have enough capsaicin to burn skin. Heinz says on DeBomb days, workers wear goggles, masks, gloves, and face shields. One plant worker I spoke to confirmed this. I tell a lot of people, this is the one place in the world where you want to wash your hands before you go to the bathroom, Heinz says. The hot one's bump means workers are going to be smelling, tasting, breathing, DeBomb for a while. Each episode inspires a new crop of victims eager to be poisoned. But Spice and Foods has other tricks up their sleeve. This year, they signed a multi-year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs to produce branded barbecue and hot sauces. They continue to co-pack sauces for major retailers and celebrity clients. We're working with one guy named Dave, Heinz says. He's pretty famous. They've got a destination gift shop where heat heads can buy cheap test kitchen sauces, the treasures of the three-headed dragon. They do a lot more than just make one of the best worst hot sauces in the country. But DeBomb casts a big shadow, and for now... The folks at Spice Inn are happy to walk in its pungent shade. You could say the same thing about hot ones. Sometimes I feel like the mythology of DeBomb is bigger than the show itself, says Schoenberger. It's bigger than any of us. Long live DeBomb. And now it's time, ladies and gentlemen, for Nick's Music Corner. 
Hello, I'm Nick Spasic, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. The Phase Palm Tree Shade album is a retro-leaning, forward-thinking collection of 10 tracks which dropped two weeks ago via KC label The Record Machine. After a selection of singles following 2018's Strawberry Lemonade EP, this marks the debut full-length from Zach Watkins' project, and it's worth the wait. Blind to the Signs, featuring a verse from rapper Hakeem, not only features the line from which the album takes its name, but it sounds like it could have soundtracked a sunny montage from the first season of Beverly Hills 90210, both the original and the reboot. This is where Vaporwave, Indie Rock, and Neo Soul meet and agree that they'll all have a nice tall glass of rosé. The Palm Tree Shade release party is next Friday, June 25th at Lemonade Park, with Lesser Pleasures and The Royal Chief. Palm Tree Shade can be had digitally on Bandcamp at therecordmachine.bandcamp.com or on vinyl from therecordmachine.co. Here's Blind to the Signs.
So, okay, uh, something that really matters to me is local journalism, but something that has become more important to me is hyper-specific local journalism. Like, I know that we uh, are a publication that covers Kansas City, but people are popping up everywhere that are doing very specific parts of Kansas City. And I will be the first to admit, we don't do a lot of coverage of Olathe. It's a suburb a little far out there. It's a place that I spent a lot of time growing up, uh, but I, I don't know, don't spend time there now. Uh, don't totally know what's going on. Anyway, there is a new publication that is covering just Olathe. It just launched in the last two weeks. Uh, it's called The Olathe Reporter. Uh, and their editor-in-chief is Kaylee McLaughlin. Uh, and she is just out of school, easily the youngest editor-in-chief I've ever met. Uh, and uh, just wanted to call her up and be like, okay, so what are we doing? Why is Olathe a source of news that can sustain an entire publication? Because I genuinely want to know. It is a part of the city we cover. We just don't get there a lot, and um, I'm very excited to see what stories come out of what they do. So here's an interview that I did with Kaylee. Kaylee, welcome to the podcast. Uh, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, hi. My name's Kaylee McLaughlin, and I'm a reporter and the editor of the Olathe Reporter, um, which covers Olathe, Kansas. Tell me about who you are. Where are you from? Where'd you go to school? What, where, how'd you get into journalism? Um, so I'm from Shawnee, Kansas, originally, which is just like 20 minutes away from Olathe. And I went to Mill Valley High School here. And I just graduated from K-State, actually, like a month ago. Um, yeah. I want to do a bit about like how, oh, you're from Shawnee. How could you know anything about Olathe? But like, there's, they're, they're, they're the exact same place. None of this matters. Uh, when you were uh, when you were at K State, like, uh, tell me about your student journalism there. Yeah, so I worked at the Collegian, which is the independent voice of the students, um, all four years that I was there, and uh, was the assistant news editor, the news editor, and then I was the editor in chief from November 2018 to fall 2020, and then I was the managing editor, and after that, I hosted a podcast during my final semester. So, kind of did all of the jobs. What's the story you did that made people the angriest? Oh, um, like there's one that I did um, during my freshman year, I guess. And it was like about student government. And there was this whole thing about they had spent all of their diversity programming money in three quarters. So the fourth quarter, they couldn't, they didn't have any money. And then there was like some way that they could have fixed it to access the reserves, but they waited too long to tell anybody that it had happened. And so I wrote about it because I found it in their like student, students and agenda, um, like their first draft, but then it was removed from the second draft. So I was like, what is this? So I reached out to like some people who were on the committee and most of the people who were on the committee were like pretty on board with me writing the story because they were like, we want to give people money to have diversity programming on campus. But the chair uh, of the committee didn't want me to write about it because he was a little bit embarrassed, I think. Um, but I wrote about it and then he called me like fake news in the middle of the next student senate meeting. He didn't say my name, but he said the collegian is like spreading disinformation about this. And I was like, no, I am not. Um, this is truth. Like, <laughs> I even I checked with their advisor, like the student senate advisor and the chair of the student senate to be like, yeah, do I have all my bases covered? And they were like, yeah, don't. It's fine. You got it. I, I can't think of more disinformation than going back to edit out uh, notes from 
from the minutes of a yeah like that's actual fake news what an great job comparing notes on uh the the very small details of things truly the uh the height of journalism <laughs> so tell me about the olatha reporter how did this get started how did you come to be editor of it <laughs> yeah so the olatha report reporter um launched like its website six days ago so it's brand new and we're kind of in the building phase still so we haven't started any big promotion campaigns or anything um just trying to load the site up with um kind of more enterprisey content and preparing to cover um the city government in a more serious fashion um, than it's been covered in a while but uh it started so the family that runs the news like the newspaper in manhattan the manhattan mercury their son the who's the publisher of the Mercury, he actually lives in Olathe part-time and commutes to Manhattan to work at the Mercury. And he noticed when he was living here that there's really nobody covering Olathe. Um, the Kansas City Star doesn't really cover Olathe um, because there's just not enough of them anymore. Uh, the Shawnee Mission Post doesn't cover this far out into Johnson County. They kind of are more centered around Prairie Village, Shawnee Overland Park area. So this is a really important city for the county and just a, a large city that is basically a news desert because nobody's really paying any attention. I guess the big question I have is like, what are the big things that you see facing? What, what do you see as being the stories that you're gonna be covering going forward in the next few months? Yeah, um, so the big one obviously will be the city budget. And um, they started the proposal process for that during the city council meeting last night. So I'll be keeping my eye on that. And the focus will obviously also be on like school board because the city government and school board are really what affect people the most, right? Like the local government. Um, but then there's another interesting thing that I've been working on. It's um, the city of Olathe uses this thing called benefit districts, which are special assessments that pay for infrastructure projects and um, people who live in certain geographic locations usually pay for them. And the practice is usually used on neighborhoods that are being built. So that's not usually put onto people who already live in neighborhoods, who have lived in neighborhoods for 20 years. Um, but recently there's been a couple proposals that would charge people who live in neighborhoods and have lived in neighborhoods for a very long time, um, up to $22,000 more on their um, like annual dues to the city. And uh, so that's something that I've been looking into. Um, there was a rally last night in front of city council. People were trying to get the councilors to pay attention to them as they walked into the building. And um, well, it's interesting to see how that'll change. The current council has indicated that they're interested in adopting a policy that would only allow the usage of benefit districts in areas that are forming, not in existing neighborhoods to protect people who have lived in Olathe for 20, 30 years from paying like new taxes on their houses. Um, but we'll kind of see how that shakes out in the next couple of weeks. If you were to tell somebody that you covered Olathe and they weren't a person from Kansas City, how would you describe Olathe and, and what what would make it what makes it exciting? What makes it worth dedicating a whole publication to? Yeah, so not only is Olathe the seat of Johnson County, so all of the, the county government is located in Olathe, um, it is also one of the largest growing cities in the state of Kansas. Um, so it's got all of the like young people who are coming there to live there. It's got older people who have lived here for a very long time. And so I think what makes it interesting is that there's this dynamic 
of different generations who need different types of like information to be brought to them. And I think that this is kind of why we're here to do that. Are you uh, are you prepared emotionally to work in in local news for for the rest of your life? <laughs> um, I don't know about that. Um, I think that local news is kind of where it's at, and I would like to work in local news probably for my entire journalism career. Um, we'll see if I'm prepared for that. I think that I am. I think that my time working for the Collegian like prepared me for that. But we'll see. I guess. <laughs> I, I I have to say that uh, for me, going from national news to local news, where suddenly um, the angry Facebook messages are from like a guy that I know where he lives down the street from me and he knows where I live. It's like, oh, this is a different thing uh, when you make people mad uh, locally. Uh, so uh, yeah, it takes a little getting used to, but it sounds like you've already done uh, student stuff that's probably very much the same. So yeah, you got called fake news in a in a student council meeting. So like already you're 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 headed in the right direction. That's the best sign. Uh, yeah. I guess final I question is. That, I was gonna say if I can handle that when I'm like 18, then I can handle angry Facebook messages when I'm <laughs> an adult. <laughs> Your, your generation has come up with stronger skin than me. Good, good luck on you. Um, I guess the last question here is just, uh, how many pets do you have and are they your interns? Um, I have a short hair domestic cat named Georgie. Um, and she um, is not an intern. She is not interested in working in news at all, but my parents have a, a cat named Luna. And if I'm at their house and I'm working, she usually sits in the chair across from me and just stares at me. So I think that she is my intern. We also have a staff cat named Luna, uh, who also loves to interrupt all the Zoom videos. So like, cool. All right. We're on the exact same page here. Look forward <laughs> yeah. to working with you and congrats on the new publication. We'll be following along. We hope all of our listeners do too. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Have a great day. <laughs> And ladies and gentlemen, that has been the Streetwise podcast, an extension of the pitch here in Kansas City. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting what we do. Check out thepitchkc.com. Uh, we are doing incredible journalism each and every day. If you ever feel like throwing us a dollar or two just to keep the lights on, we would really appreciate that because sometimes the lights flicker. Uh, boy, howdy. Can we always use a little bit of help? But we appreciate you guys listening in. Um, I don't know. Be good to each other out there. Take care. It's so goddamn hot. Please take care of yourselves. Please don't put a dog or a child in a car. I was reading a thing today over the weekend. It could go up to 140 if you just leave somebody in a, in a car with the windows closed for a few minutes. It's truly horrifying. So, um, you know, be good to yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Take care of everyone around you. Uh, I will see you next week. Pitch uh, in and we'll make it through. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye-bye-bye. This was a production of the Pitch Podcast Network. The Pitch is Kansas City's independent source for news and culture. Check out thepitchkc.com to see more podcasts from us, including information for how to subscribe to the Pitch or become a sustaining member. Story ideas or feedback? Write to tips at thepitchkc.com. Pitch in and we'll make it through.